Good morning, and You're welcome to oh, episode 488 of Effectively nice Wild, oh, yeah, daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, yeah. presented by the BaseballReference.com Play Index. Mm. I am Ben Lindbergh. Hi. Joined by Sam, Sam Miller. Miller. Hello. Hi, Ben. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Okay. Spent a lot of the day trying to come up with a topic, <laughs> and then you reminded me that it's email Wednesday. Will it work tomorrow? We'll see. Probably not. Ugh, too bad. Do you want to talk about it anyway? No. Okay. Anything else? Might, it might work tomorrow. Uh-huh. Okay. Anything else to cover? No, sir. I did a quick play index earlier. Not the play index segment, but just a quick introductory play index because... I realize that it's been a long time since we had to do a Ryan Webb games finished without a save update. It mm. has it's been a while. He hasn't had a, a game finish since May 29th. And I play index to see where this ranks among his longest his streaks, streaks yeah. without a game finished. And this is his second longest. Actually it's his it's tied for his second longest streak of games. It is his second longest streak of innings without a save. He he went 18 games from April 21st, 2011 to June 4th, 2011. He went 18 games in 16 and two-thirds innings without getting a game finished. He is now up to 13 games and 14 and two-thirds innings without a game fin- without a game finished. So. I don't know what it means. The Cespedes family barbecue boys were going to ask him about this, but then I never heard back from them. Yeah. So I guess let that be a lesson to everyone. Don't (laughs) count on the Cespedes family barbecue boys. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's do some emails. So this is is an email from David who asks, what if overnight a rule was enacted that made home run score negative runs? This is a thing, Ben. This is. Is, you don't even need to finish this. This is an actual, we have real life, there's a real life sport that actually does something that is almost equivalent to this. But anyway, you can keep reading. Could hitters adjust their mechanics to avoid hitting home runs, or would the need to hit the ball as hard as possible outweigh the risk of hitting it too hard? What was the so, comparison so, you were going to draw? Well, in slow pitch softball, slow pitch softball, I don't know if it's slow pitch softball. Yeah, it's, I think it's slow pitch softball. In professional softball, uh, there are, let me think, you're limited to how many home runs you can hit, I believe, because hmm. they, they could just hit home runs all day long. Uh-huh. Uh, they could just hit home runs every single at bat all day long. I mean, they, you know, they're the 40 best slow-pitch softball players in the world, uh, and if they wanted to, they could hit a home run every single time. So you're limited, and once you hit your max, if you hit a home run, uh, I think it's an out, and so by a certain inning... Uh, I've, I've watched literally one slow pitch softball game in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like USA versus like Australia or something. And uh, so this is what I'm basing this on. But uh, I'll pretend that I'm a slow pitch softball aficionado. Uh, by a certain point in the game, uh, home runs become risky. Not just because you don't, um, not just because you've maxed out and each one would be an out or whatever it is, uh, but because you don't want to get to that point just in case you accidentally hit a home run, I guess. So you start thinking about it even before. Um, but uh, the game that I watched, the one game, <laughs> the one game about 
a sport that's not the same as baseball, upon which I'm going to draw all my conclusions, uh, they didn't have much trouble not hitting home runs. Um, mm-hmm. Changes things somewhat, shrinks the field a little bit. But baseball is different, right? Because every power hitter, every single one, will tell you that they were not trying to hit a home run. Right. They were just trying to square the ball up, hit the ball hard somewhere. Mm-hmm. If you try to hit home runs, then that you know that way lies doom. Exactly. So they're only trying to hit the ball hard. So uh, the question is whether a major league baseball player who's hitting non-slow pitched baseballs can do it. What do you think? Hmm. I think I think there'd be an occasional accidental home run. I think on the whole they could they could do it, but there'd also be. I think they would if a home run is negative one runs. Like if does it do you lose as many runs as there are runners on base? Maybe that's how it works. If so, that would be a pretty significant disincentive. So depending on the the game situation, so I would I would expect that uh, there would not be many home runs, but that there would also be corresponding declines in the other kinds of extra base hits. Yeah, so let me ask you that. Let me let me rephrase the question slightly, ever so slightly. So let's say that um, let's say John Carlos Stanton is currently worth uh, five, whatever unit of measurement you want to use. He's he's a five, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, let's say Hunter Pence is a four, uh, and let's say uh, Alex Gordon is a three, and let's say that um, uh, I don't know uh, Jose Altuve is a two and let's say eric ibar is a one and these are intended to correspond to their home runs uh as well uh i got that wrong ibar is a two and, and altuve is a one mm. no altuve can't be a one <laughs> no you're two. pretty hard on altuve ibar is a two and uh, juan Lagares is a one okay okay so that corresponds basically to their overall value right sure mm-hmm. that those five four three two one that that works pretty much Lagares one ibar two whoever i said three uh, gordon three Pence four, Stan five. That that's fairly that's that's fairly on point for their offensive value, right? Mm-hmm. It's also you know more or less on point for their home run ratio, right? Yes. Okay. So let's say that in this world where home runs are outlawed are negative, then what does Stanton become? What does Pence become? What does Gordon become? What does Ibar become? And what does Ligaris become? Hmm. And we're well, all talking about hitting. Ignore defense. We're just talking about as hitters. Uh-huh. Mm, well, Stanton would be dangerous. I don't, I don't, Stanton would be, I mean, he's, I think he would have a hard time not hitting home runs. He hits the how ball home, so hard. How many home runs do you think he would hit if a home run were <laughs> uh, equivalent of a double play? How many home runs in a season? Uh, seven. Seven? Yeah. Interesting. I don't think he can help it. Seven's pretty low. Seven's either, it's interesting because seven is either low or high. I would have gone with either a lower number or a much higher number. Like I could have seen 25 and I could have seen like two. I wouldn't I have thought would, seven, but seven's fine. I don't think it would be 25. Uh, he's, you, think that, you think that 18 of his home runs, no, you know, you think, well, so if he has 40 home runs, you think no fewer than thirty-three of them are are in his control that he can't do any that, that he could adjust to eliminate thirty-three home runs? Sure, he'd be. 
a much worse hitter though, because he'd also have fewer. I don't think he. I don't think. I don't know how fine the. Yeah. The so control he is. Up, he could give up the home runs, but by doing so, he would just ground out to second base over and right. Like, and to that to do be... that, he would have to so adjust that he would lose all of his singles because his singles. When you think about it, uh, his singles are essentially just home runs that miss by like a quarter of an inch, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. like not just from space, but from like 300 feet above the park, they look exactly the same. Like they, they basically hit the bat in the same spot. They're just slightly lower trajectory. He hits them really hard, but just at a slightly lower trajectory, and therefore they become singles, right? Yes. I mean, if you're, if you're Ligaris then you might not change anything. You probably you would wouldn't. Nothing, probably right, shouldn't yeah. change anything because he's he hit four home runs last year. He's hit two home runs this year, so that wouldn't even be worth worrying about. He should he should hit the ball as hard as he can because as hard as he can is unlikely to result in a home run, and he would cost himself more in in every other kind of hit by by trying to eliminate any possibility of a home run. So for so for him, clearly, he would keep doing what he's doing. For Stanton, a guy who, if he's healthy, might hit 40, then you have to start to worry about that. Is because... he worse? Is he worse than Ligaris? Uh, I don't Because you have the negative impact of the seven home runs, as well as the fact that he can't do any of his natural hitting. Yeah. <laughs> so he might, he might be as bad as Ligaris generally. And then you add the seven negative home runs, he might be worse. Are you willing to say that Lagarde becomes a three and Stanton becomes a two? Uh, maybe both threes. I don't know. Stanton has as many. He has as many home runs this year as he has doubles. The same. The same number. And he. He's not a triples guy. He has one triple. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if he were. If he were to. I mean. <laughs> at a certain point, I, I guess, uh, would it even be worth it for someone like Stanton to just swing hard and maybe, because I, I feel like if you tried to, if you tried to control your batted ball type, we like there's some, there was some evidence that a, a hitter can hit a sack fly. I, I remember citing that study by John Walsh where he looked at sack fly situations and whether hitters actually hit more fly balls in that situation and they they did although it wasn't wasn't much of an effect it was something you would you would think that 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 hitters could somehow control that just not hit the ball on a home run like trajectory but i guess they that's harder than it it's harder than it sounds cuz Stanton will just hit line drives that leave the ballpark and they're not really all that distinguishable from a double off the wall or something okay but but what if what if Stanton's only goal was to hit singles up the middle? Mm-hmm. Um, he could do that, don't you think? That if 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 you told him that he was going to get paid a million dollars for every single up the middle, that he would be able to do that um, a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you think that he could probably he could don't? Wouldn't you guess that if he really wanted, if if he really wanted, he could hit three forty with all singles? up the middle i don't think so you don't think so i think tony gwynn could do that i don't know if stan but stan's, could do that. stan's much stronger than tony gwynn mm-hmm. and i mean he obviously doesn't have some of the skills that tony gwynn has doesn't have he the does bat have control s- he strikes out i mean he doesn't maybe. have the bat control but he has much more bat speed yes 
And um, I mean, if he if there was no incentive for him to hit home runs and doubles, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, Stanton. By the way, I don't. Uh, this is a tangent, and we don't need to necessarily go too far on this. But it's. I think it's fair that Mike Trout gets the most attention as, as the best player in baseball. He is clearly the best player in baseball. He is clearly the, he is the best player. Um, you know, since uh, you know, somewhere between peak A Rod and 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 Bonds and uh, Babe Ruth, somewhere somewhere he's one he's better than anybody since one of those three, um, and so he deserves everything. So, uh, but it feels like Stanton, as the clear number two best player in baseball, doesn't get enough credit right now, because Stanton right now is he is he is a better base runner this year than Billy Hamilton by base running metrics. He is absolutely going to win a gold glove this year, I think. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he's a top three or four hitter in the game. And he's 24 years old. And we just don't pay nearly enough attention to him, I don't think. Some of us put him on their MLB TV must-watch teams. Not all of us. For the most perverse, cheap, smutty (laughs) reason. Like, all you want to do is just see him hit a baseball in one direction. That's it. Like you don't have any. There's no poetry in uh-huh. in, in your John Carlos Stanton. Uh, it's it's nothing but smut and filth. Uh, but I'm saying that John Carlos Stanton is is actually the second best player in baseball as an all around player, which is itself is a generic term that gets thrown around for weird reasons. But all around player, John Carlos Stanton currently is. He is right now leading. The majors in wins of a replacement player at baseball prospectus. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what were we saying? Uh, so could he hit three forty with singles? You say no. I, I say, say yes. No. I, I think that I think that in in this in this world where home runs are penalized, uh, I I don't think I would change my ranking of the five players. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I I would I would compress them. How about uh-huh. that? I would okay. confess. Them. I would say that um, that instead of five, four, three, two, one, it would be like two point two, two point six, three point four, three point seven, and four point one. Mm-hmm. But same order. Yeah, you'd you'd think that someone as talented as Stanton could adjust to these new rules and still still excel. It's a good question, which is why we answered it. Uh huh. Okay. I also don't know. Just for the record, <laughs> I also don't. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think you definitely had the answer. So this question comes from Andrew, who says, I just read a funny little story on the interwebs about how Brandon, Brandon McCarthy's, Brandon McCarthy, he said Brandon, Brandon McCarthy's wife was happy about his trade to the Yankees because it means he'll have to shave his beard. It got me wondering, though, what if he refuses to shave? What happens to McCarthy and or the trade? Would the trade be nullified with all players returning to their previous teams? Would McCarthy simply be benched for the remainder of the season with no pay until he shaves? Or would the Yankees release him and make him a free agent? I understand that if you choose to sign with the Yankees as a free agent, you agree to adhere to their facial hair policies. But how about those guys who are forced to go there as part of a trade? So in in practice, of course, no one would actually defy these rules. No one, no one would want to make such a big stink about it. This is the. This seems. I mean, it would kind of be the unwritten, the ultimate unwritten rules violation to make your your facial hair to put your facial hair before the team. Uh, 
Well, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, though. He's already put his facial hair before his spouse. And isn't that why we generally assume the, uh, the mask that we wear is to, uh, to attract a mate and to uh, keep that mate attracted to us? So yeah. he's already established that uh, he will choose beard over uh, the love of his life mm-hmm. and his physical partner. That's so true. let's not put anything past <laughs> Brandon McCarthy. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's a fair point. But uh, so so yeah, so in practice, you would never see this. We have never seen this. This f- policy has been in place for quite a while, and uh, to my knowledge, no one has outright outright refused to fall in line. And uh, but for for the sake of discussion, because Andrew asked, we could. We could speculate about uh, what happens. So, so I asked a a former Yankees employee about this, and oh, he left, huh? Yes, b- your one he wanted, for the Yankees left <laughs> because he wanted a goatee, <laughs> so he had to leave. So, Wait, does the the beard the beard rule doesn't apply to all staff, does it? Uh, I don't know. I don't recall seeing anyone with a beard when I worked there. Goodness, <laughs> not sure. It might just be a culture of fear thing where you don't necessarily want to test it um so i asked and and uh and he he said that that you know people people always shave they never object to shaving but if someone refused he thinks that he they would have a case in an appeal uh he said teams can have their own finable criteria but that criteria can't be egregious um, he says he thinks it's moot because no one would be the first to to change it, but he to challenge it. But he did point out that there is a, a creeping stubble correlated to how well you're playing, sort of informal rule that uh, some star players have gotten away with more facial hair than others, which is certainly the case. Um, he, he cited Jason Giambi and Andy Pettit and Roger Clemens and. Uh, there was a period where, where Bernie Williams had some significant gray stubble going on and Cano had had something there. So there is a little leeway there, uh, depending on how valuable you are to the team. But but no one has actually tested it. But if someone wanted to, if someone wanted to uh, to be the, the trailblazer here, maybe maybe they would have a case. Maybe yeah, someone I, could be the Kurt Flood of facial hair. I don't even know how they. I don't even know how to apply any reasonable standard to this. What other position is there in the entire world where you simply get traded to another company and you have no say over it? <laughs> right. It makes no sense. I mean, I guess the alternative they could say they could argue is well, you could retire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't really seem right. By the way, I was watching the television show Veep the other day, mm-hmm. and there was a joke about one character's five o'clock shadow, mm-hmm. and they were he was the most most smoothly shaved <laughs> man I've ever seen. And it, I just thought, this show doesn't even have the courage of its convictions to let, let him grow out a five o'clock shadow for that episode. <laughs> because, I mean, I don't know. These guys get, for TV, they get shaved so close. Like, I, I am never in my entire life as closely shaved as this guy was. Like, mm-hmm. I, if I shave and I'm done shaving, I have more stubble mm-hmm. than this guy had. And yet, they, assu- they they decided that he had enough shade 
which was no shade, that they could make a joke about his stubble. It was hmm. weird. Good show otherwise. Uh, I'm only on season one. I It's okay. Oh, I hear yeah. it gets better in season two. Gets much better in season two. Yeah. Would you care to do Play Index? Sure. Uh, so I was watching Phil Hughes tonight. And uh, Phil Hughes was uh, is currently, presently, no, relieved, has been relieved, uh, was mowing down the Seattle Mariners. He had eight strikeouts and no walks, and that's basically what Phil Hughes has done for the last um, you know three months, basically, since about his fourth start of the year. He strikes out a bunch of guys and never walks anybody. And I was uh, thinking about uh, the year I was born, which is 1980. I was born in 1980. Um, and I was thinking about, golly, he's had two walks or more twice this year. <laughs> twice, Ben. Wow. Once was two and once was three. Mm. Uh, and so I was thinking about how the year I was born, he would have been seen as like this like robot from the future, right? I, if you could transport Phil Hughes back to 1980, uh, it would be like he was speaking another language. They just wouldn't know how to handle him whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started wondering about, um, well, the nature of that, I guess, uh, and in particular wondering who this year is setting records that um, uh, would be records in 1980 but are not records currently. Because mm-hmm. um, 1980 is not that long ago, you know? I mean, nope. I'm not that old. Mm-hmm. No, right? you're a young man. Young man. Uh, and so in 1980, these things would have been historic. We would have uh, we would have heralded them. We would have paid attention every start. Uh, but just a scant 34 years later, um, things have changed, and they're not historical. And so I um, uh, so I wondered what records are currently being set that would have been records in 1980, but are not necessarily, but could be records today. So uh, I went in the places where you would think I went. So um, so first. Strikeouts per nine for a qualified starter. In 1980, the record was 10.7 per nine uh, mm-hmm. by Sam McDowell in 1965. And Hugh Darvish would be on pace to break that record this year at 11.03 strikeouts per nine. Surprisingly, he's the only one, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, surprising, right? Surprisingly. Is that a fair assessment? Surprisingly? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, strikeouts uh, to walk ratio, the record is 7.1. Uh, as of 1980, by Fergie Jenkins. Uh, and this year there are three pitchers on pace to break that record. Um, Phil Hughes is currently leading at about roughly nine after tonight's start. Uh, David Price is at roughly eight after tonight's non-start. He didn't start tonight, so I guess just after tonight. Uh, and um, uh, Masahiro Tanaka is at 7.2, or was before tonight's start, and I'm not going to do the adjustment. Uh, so three players on pace to break that record. Um, nobody is on pace to break the walks per nine uh, record, although Doug Fister is extremely close. The record was, in 1980, was Red Lucas at seven point at .07, uh, sorry, 0.74. Doug Fister is at 0.76. Um, FIP, uh, let's see, FIP, uh, for a uh, non-starter for anybody was uh, the record was 1.56 in 1980 a gentleman named Steve Hamilton who mm-hmm. I've never heard of uh, and there are seven pitchers currently on pace to break that mm. as relievers this year uh, although one of those relievers is a starter Clayton Kershaw is also on pace to break that 
mark. Um, saves, of course, classic one. Uh, the record in 1980 was 38. There are currently 14 pitchers on pace to break that record, mm. uh, which is not any longer a record. Strikeouts per nine as a reliever or as a, uh, yeah, as a reliever. Um, hang on. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I don't, I'm not sure Clayton Kershaw is qualified. So he might have been left off the strikeouts per nine as a starter mm-hmm. uh, for good reason because he, he doesn't qualify. But uh, anyway, strikeouts uh, for a reliever was 11.3 per nine. 11.3 per nine, Ben. <laughs> there are 22 pitchers currently on pace to top that. Among them, Brett Cecil, <laughs> Tony Sipp, who is basically free talent. Strikeout artist, Tony Sipp. Josh Fields who was having a very poor year, and Brad Boxberger, who was traded by a team that was looking for a good reliever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the, and then um, one last one, stolen base percentage, the record for stolen base percentage minimum of 30 attempts in 1980 was 94% by Amos Otis. Uh, Craig Gentry is on pace to break that. He has not been caught yet. He is, I'm not sure, ever been caught in his entire life. Uh, Jose Reyes is on pace to break that. Um, uh, Jose Altuve is very close to on pace to break that. And Andrew McCutcheon, Mike Trout, Jordan Schaefer, and Michael Brantley uh, have not been caught yet, although they are slightly below the pace to get 30 attempts. Um, So those are all records that would be uh, really exciting in 1980 and are completely unexciting right now and totally irrelevant. I have just flooded you with information that you don't care about one bit. Um, two questions for you, Ben. One is, do you have any other uh, stats that you think um, the game has changed significantly since 1980 where we could be seeing pre-1980 records and not noticing them? Hmm. Because I could do another live play index. <laughs> uh, fewest intentional walks for a league leader. Um... I don't actually, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, that might not be a, a play index thing. That might just be a clicking on the, the leaders page. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not that uh, one. Okay, so, uh, so you don't have one. Uh, so the second thing is that it, it feels like, and I might be wrong about this, so I wanted to get your input. It feels like um, that records themselves have become uh, you know, much less significant in the last few years. And that's because we focus on statistics that don't really have any history. So we don't actually pay much attention to when a, rec- uh, you know, when a record is, is broken. Um, do you get that feeling? Like, I guess there's, for instance, let me, let me mention for instance, uh, the strikeouts per nine record has been broken a few times in recent years. I think... Um, Carlos Marmol broke it. Um, I think maybe Craig Kimbrell might have then broken it after him. Uh, mm-hmm. Various pitchers have set records for strikeouts per nine. And if this were a statistic that people paid attention to in, like, 1985, it would have been, like, uh, a special tops card. <laughs> um, there would have been updates in the newspaper. 
uh, it would have been an answer in the baseball crossword puzzle that we filled out in Baseball Digest the following year. It feels like there would have been you know, some attention, significant attention paid. I mean, when I was a kid, I just remember there being records broken every year. There were like eight to ten records that we paid attention to every year. You know, like the guy who had, I remember Eddie Murphy breaking the home runs, uh, sorry, uh, most times hitting home runs from both sides of the plate in one game record. That was a, <laughs> that was a record we paid attention to, man. <laughs> this, this was something like I remember that record being broken, and I remember documenting it in my baseball card collection the next year. Um, and yet, while we have more statistics than ever, and while we have more access to those statistics than ever, it feels like there are almost no records that get any significant attention right now. Like you have to, you could break a traditional record statistic. Although, as we've talked about on this very show. Uh, there are very few that are in position to be broken right now, partly mm-hmm. because the uh, offensive environment has has changed and partly because pitchers don't pitch as many innings as they used to. So almost any counting stat is kind of off the table. Um, but uh, you could break a traditional record stat, and we don't care that much, like Miguel Cabrera's Triple Crown, for instance, not a record, but not that much attention given to that. Uh, or you could break the stats that we do care about, but... Only we care about them, and there's no history. Nobody was paying attention to it eight years ago, and so it's not like there's this like kind of buildup of like, oh, we've been waiting 40 years for someone to have, you know, a true average over whatever, you know. So, are records just dead? Is this the end of records? No, we've been talking about the games finished without a save record all year. <laughs> I think, I, I think, uh, I don't. Maybe it's that there's so many stats. We're just bombarded with stats all day long there's you know every single game story has some stat from elias about this being the third time that this guy gave up this many runs against this team and and it's everywhere on twitter and there's just so much coverage that uh and it's so easy to look up stats with the play index or or by consulting some database that you're not being handed these these statistics from on high by one single source you're getting everyone digging it up on on twitter and doing it themselves so maybe maybe that has taken away from the specialness somewhat i don't know about the i mean strikeouts per nine record was never the sort of record that the average fan would would know that was nowhere nowhere near that's my point that's my point, though, is that it's a very, it's a more important record than switch hit home runs, you know, games hitting home runs from both sides of the plate, and yet uh, nobody cares about it. Mm. And, yeah. and so, the, like, there's this clash between the things that we care about now and the things we cared about just 15 years ago. Like, there was a hundred and some odd years where the stats were fairly consistent, and um, and then now in the last 15 years it's been more or less completely overflipped. But the other thing is, I think also as you as you mentioned, we hear almost every day I see some fact about a player who has done something that nobody else has done before. And so it becomes hard to separate the ones that are meaningful from the ones that aren't meaningful. And so I'm, I wonder, can you think of any, like what would be your top five records to be broken? Like it, what would be the five records that you would be the most excited in July if a player was on pace to do this, um, or you know maybe in a game or maybe in his career 
he was on track to break mm-hmm. a record. What would be the what would be your top five? Most triples. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Triples are I'd fun. Be, I'd be into that. I would definitely um, I would turn on any game where twenty one strikeouts is a realistic possibility. Yeah. And I would and I would definitely I would um uh, I would uh, I would watch any at bat where a player had a chance to hit five home runs. That would be pretty significant to me. Yeah, most uh, I mean most steals, single season steals would be exciting. I would I would watch Hamilton or someone if he were challenging that record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean I'd I'd certainly watch the hitting streak. And you know, hitting streaks I don't I don't find particularly compelling, but I would I'd be interested in watching as a guy got close to the record, if only just for the sort of monitoring the psychological effects of all the attention being paid to him. I guess, yeah, I would too, but the achievement itself, we would have a hard time getting too excited about it because we know mm-hmm. that it's just a, a sort of arbitrary grouping of random events. Mm-hmm. We're we're horrible, fun hating people. <laughs> and then and then there are other things like for instance you know like uh i would love to see a plus 60 defender but i would sure. love to see it i wouldn't care about the record i would love to see that guy uh-huh. it's not the record that i would care about like Andrews and simmons last year was a tremendous joy to watch but it's not like i was tracking his defensive run save to see if he was going to set the record mm-hmm. i just liked watching the guy who did set the record and i think it's sort of the same with with war war I don't know that I I don't know that I care that much about the stat itself so much as the maybe a little bit. I did I did care about Trout like for instance his first year was very fun to watch his his war grow although partly because I spent the entire summer uh, <laughs> reporting on him. Right. Um but uh I don't know. I the the two that I've named so far are single game stats. Maybe I just don't have the attention span anymore. Mm. Just sad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd be, I'd be interested in watching a home run race. I can't get that excited. It is. Well, it's that's so unrealistic right now that it's like imagining a guy hitting 74 home runs is almost unfathomable. Which would so, make yeah. it compelling. So, yeah. I, I agree it would, but almost any stat that if he went 50% beyond <laughs> yeah. the typical league leader at this point, like I'd be interested in seeing a guy win 30 games. I don't care about him really winning 30 games, but mm-hmm. that's such an extreme number that it'd be, you know, just be fun to watch the number. Yeah, I guess I sure. I guess I'd be pro thirty games. It'd be interesting wins. to see anyone challenge a record that just he has the the historical decks stacked against him that much. If he's but I tell you, I did. I watched the Francisco Rodriguez sixty two save season. Mm-hmm. Sixty two, I think he had, and it was so unfun. Yeah, like, that's not, yeah. That's another, not, <laughs> but why? It's the same thing. Like the deck was stacked against him. It was a record that had hung on for since what eighty eight. Um, you know, he he you know he crushed it. Nobody had really even come, nobody had come close to Thigpen for some years even. And I mean, I don't remember Thigpen ever really being seriously challenged. I might be wrong. Uh, so you know, there's no reason that by the same standards, I shouldn't have been excited to see the numbers add up for Frankie. But it was just not fun at all. There's nothing interesting about it. It just you know. It seemed like it might happen, and then it happened, and then I forgot. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see maybe a 
a pitcher setting a record for relief innings. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah, but again, you're interested in seeing... Well, maybe. Okay. Mm. You're more interested in... I mean, you're interested in seeing a shift in strategy. You yeah, don't care about the record. Pretty, you don't. What true. is the record, Ben? You're interested in seeing him beat the record held by. <laughs> I'll tell you in a second that with the classic, baseball reference play index. You know, one of the most famous <laughs> numbers in baseball. Remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I will in about thirty seconds. <clears throat> um, I. I would say that um, I don't know. I guess strikeout to walk is the most is the one that I pay more attention to. But I couldn't, you know, I, I don't, I barely pay any attention to it at all. Mm-hmm. But you know, when a guy like Sean Doolittle is extreme, or when a guy like David Price, who's a little less extreme now, but was extreme, I pay more attention to that. Um, but again, like the record holds no no emotional place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Play index is searching the record for. Relief innings in a season without a start is Mike Marshall in uh-huh, 1974. Yeah. 208. <laughs> sorry, 208 and a third innings. More than I would have guessed. I'd be interested in things like uh, uh, most caught stealings, most uh, most box, most, like wild, most wild pitches. Maybe highest caught stealing percentage for a catcher. That'd be fun. Oh, that that's a good one. That's yeah. a really good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely be into that. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. All End right. of play index. Yeah, that one, that one went on a lot. That had a long tail. So subscribe to I had another. Index. I uh-huh. actually had another tail I was going <laughs> to... I had another direction I was going to take it, but I'm not going to now. Okay. So subscribe to the play index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription and to get the ability to run interesting queries like the ones that we just did or even more interesting ones. What do you think about about that guy who said today that he was going to get a Plandex subscription, but first he wanted us to run a Plandex query for him? I was not going to, I was not going to give in. You, you answered him. You ran his, his search. He wanted to know the, the most runs scored in a game without a home run. That was a little sketchy. If I had to say so myself, I'm going to subscribe to Plandex, but just for now, how about you You run I this felt, one for me? See, I felt like he was just running the program for a test drive. If he if he asks for a second one, uh, I will report him for spam. Yeah, I don't know if he's, if he's waiting for his paycheck to clear or something. He's waiting for his ship to come in so that he can he can get the one-year subscription to play index. Okay, if, he, if he's trying to take advantage of our good natures, and of Sean Foreman and Baseball Reference, then I don't approve. Uh, a friend of the show. Anyway, I was just looking at the list of Major League Baseball record breakers by season on Wikipedia, and there aren't any in 1980. <laughs> I think this this page needs some help. There's not a single record breaker in 1980 listed. In mm-hmm. 2013, uh, Alex Rodriguez broke the record for most career Grand Slams. That's a modestly interesting record. Yeah. And I, I in two, yeah. In two thousand that, that was definitely something that we would have paid attention to in nineteen eighty eight. It would have been a big deal. A huge deal. In fact, Don Mattingly hitting six in a season mm-hmm. was a record uh, yeah. back 
roughly 87, 88. And that was its own baseball card, mm-hmm. as was Don Mattingly's hitting home runs in eight straight games. Although I think that would be a pretty big deal even now. If someone hit home runs in nine straight days, I think that they would get a blog post or two. Mm-hmm. 2012, Jamie Moyer became the oldest player to win a game, oldest pitcher to win a game. Jim Tomey set the record for most walk-off homers. And in 2011, not that different from your Eddie Murray stat, Mark Teixeira set the record for most games hitting home runs from both sides of the plate in a career. Oh, right. No, I'm I'm wearing my Mark Teixeira most home runs hit from both sides of the plate in a game in a career t-shirt right now. Commemorative what's, t-shirt. Yeah, what's the number on the back? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can't see because you're wearing it. Yeah. It was, it was 12. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Only 12, huh? I'm yep. not sure if it was Eddie Murray. I remember Ruben Sierra did it. Um, maybe uh, Ruben Sierra had one of those like most times doing that in a season, maybe or or maybe back to back days, or maybe twice in a doubleheader or something like that. That was a big one. There were a lot of switch hitter related records back in like back in the. It's interesting because the switch hitting was was you know it's not like switch hitting was novel in the 80s. But in the 80s, there were so many switch hitter records. Just mm. like having, you know, the most games where you hit a triple from the left side and a single from the right side uh, in August was like a record. <laughs> uh, okay, let's do one more question. This one comes from James in Fayetteville, Arkansas. He wants to know Has any sabermetrician ever put themselves in, let's say, spring training of 1982? Collected, so I think this this is asking us whether any sabermetrician has time traveled. Has any sabermetrician put themselves in spring training of 1982, collected all the data that would have been available had advanced metrics been around at that time, projected what would happen that year, and then compared it to what actually happened? If someone does that for every baseball season with reliable statistics, will there be an era in baseball that is closest to the advanced metric projections or one that is farthest? Uh, skip, skip. I wonder if the confounding variables of our time, pitcher injuries, instant replay, etc., make our era more or less predictable than others. Perhaps if you place humans on a field and make them play 162 games, the results will always be similarly unpredictable. So there is, uh, there is that theoretical limit to how good a projection can be in, I suppose, any season, right? Even if you have a even if you have a perfect projection system and perfect knowledge of everything, not only yeah. just every player's true talent level and just everything you could possibly possibly know, there's still you can't you can't come closer on on average than what is it six six games something like that six, six or eight or something yeah because yeah. of sequencing of hits mm-hmm. and and BABIP and things like that right so the question is whether whether this era or any era is more or less predictable. And we, we, we have the ability to run retroactive projections. We, we have not done that for every season, but you can, you can do retroactive Pakotas or maybe some other systems too and, and come up with what the system would have said in spring training of 1982 and see whether it's close to 1982. Of course, we wouldn't really be able to project playing time, which would be a problem. You'd, you'd have to just go based on, on rate statistics. Um, so James mentioned instant replay, and Russell Carlton actually wrote about the effect of instant replay on randomness earlier this year in an article for Fox Sports. He said, 
The instant replay system that we now have has fixed a problem that was affecting something around 1.5 to 2% of all runs scored in baseball. Uh, so so he, was, he was arguing that about 2% of, of runs scored in baseball went to the, the wrong team because of, of calls that were made incorrectly. And so, he says, it has therefore made a team's record less dependent on luck to the tune of half a win or more for a sizable handful of teams. So that's something. <laughs> if you're if you're a good team, you're you're now less likely to be waylaid by a, an incorrect call and have something go against you. There's less less randomness in that sense. Um, so that's something. I don't I'm trying to think of other other factors that might have made things more or less predictable. I mean, there are well, cer- PDs, certain years. Right? PDs are the classic one, right? Yeah. So, so there are certain years where the ball changes, uh, and we wouldn't wouldn't have been able to predict that in advance. Or, or yeah, PDs. If you were people, often actually sometimes raise that objection to projection systems. That if we are uh, particularly Picota, which is based on comparables to some extent, if we are if we're using players from, say, the PED era as comparables for players in the post-PED era or the pre-PED era, whatever other era, then you could argue that maybe the, the aging curve is no longer the same and and possibly there would be some some minimal effect there where it would be skewed a bit by the uh, by the PED use of that time. So so that's one thing, I guess. If you're, I mean, in a in a clean era things would be more predictable, right? In general, I assume. Uh, yeah, if, uh, if, if there's no option uh, well, to use PEDs, then uh, you wouldn't have a, to worry about yeah, certain sure. players suddenly starting to take something that would change change their true talent level. I mean, so. a clean era would be more predictable for the next clean era. A non-clean mm-hmm. era might be more it might be that a non-clean era would be more predictable in general. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Could be. Then yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Probably. So are there any other factors that have introduced or removed random randomness from the game that you can think of? I mean, maybe global warming. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, well, I mean, James mentioned pitcher. That's a Tim McCarver joke. Yeah, I, I get it. But, James mentioned pitcher injuries as a factor. So is, I mean, maybe you could say that. Right. Well, if you're if you're Matt Harvey and 17 of your 30 comps are before 1975, then what you know to some degree, to some and they probably aren't, but to some degree, what use are they? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are more. Well, I, we talked about this with Stan Conti that it's really difficult to say whether there are more or fewer injuries. But, but that's the point: is that mm-hmm. the guys who were hurt in before 1975 aren't much use to Matt Harvey mm-hmm. because they're just going to start sucking, and the guys who weren't hurt aren't much use to Matt Harvey because they maybe were maybe less likely to get hurt. Like you have two factors: you have the fact that lots of players were playing through pain and that perhaps fewer players were hurt mm-hmm. so yeah. but you know most of Matt Car. I mean if you actually look at Matt Harvey's 30 comps most of them are from the last 15 years so that's probably not an issue mm-hmm. but could be 
So if there are fewer career-ending injuries, maybe, maybe that would be an element that would make baseball more predictable. It's tough. I, I, I remember getting this question and thinking that it was a very good question, and I uh, couldn't quite get my head around it and was hoping that we wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. All right. It's a good well, question, though. So yeah. somebody should write it. Somebody should write a piece about it. it. It's really more of an article than a podcast question. Yeah, or it could be a listener email if you want to write in, or it could be a post in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash effectivelywild in which there's there's currently a thread that's about 40, 50 comments long about scenarios that could lead to Jose Molina triples. So if you want to do something more more productive, go to the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash effectivelywild and write a response to this question or some other question. And we will accept emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. We welcome your ratings and reviews and subscriptions on iTunes, which are, which are always appreciated. And we will be back with another show tomorrow. Can't place this tune. It's nothing. Just whistling. Nothing like a little tuneless whistling. Well, it has a tune. It's just not a published tune. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be.